Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to first say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, like my brother Kent always says. I've always liked that. So I'm going to start off with uh, a prayer because I I want to get out of the way and allow God to do uh, what he would have me. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now that I get out of the way. Lord, that I set aside everything I think I know about this program, the 12 steps, the big book, and especially you, so that I can have a new experience and that you could use me um, as you would. So I just pray that um, I will take this next step and this uh, leave the results up to you. Amen. All right. So tonight's uh, program that uh, I wanted to talk about is about um, the two sides of disturbance. And once uh, in my experience, I got through pretty much the sober stage and was able to really start dialing in and finding out where I believe the real recovery starts. I can have sobriety without recovery, but I can't have recovery without sobriety. But once I reached and uh, found the sobriety, um, the recovery really, that's when my program really started. And I really had to start working on um, what I would call a disturbance and the disturbances in me that would cause um, pain and disconnection from my higher power. Um, I was decided at the last minute that I would throw the lust piece in in the beginning in case we have newcomers on. So I'm going to do that right now. Um, I'm going to start out with um, when I came into this program, I was in such a state that I could not stop. I was um, acting out with different people three or four times a week. And I was at a point where the pain was so bad and the relief was non-existent, maybe 10 minutes. And I would have to be uh, start, um, I would have to start trying to, uh, you know, put another ad on. So when I came into this program, my sponsor gave me a very simple prayer. Um, and I'd had a faith tradition my whole life, but unfortunately it did not solve my sexaholism. Um, I was able to, the prayer is that, um, God, I'm powerless. I surrender my lust to you. I need your power. Please lend me your power just for today so that I will be done. I was about four days in and I was writing out my first step. And I got hit because I was writing about some of the early abuse that I had. And I was just inflamed like, ah, you know, that uh, compulsion that I normally would not be able to uh, stop. And I hadn't for since I've been 12. So for 40 years, I came in at 52. I had not been able to stop. And uh, when I got hit with that writing that, I thought I was in trouble. And I said that prayer. And honestly, I felt like a wind hit me. And instantly, I felt relief. And I knew at that moment for the first time in my life that I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to go through the pain of this withdrawal. And I made a commitment. I did from day one when I came in that I'm going to do everything my sponsor asks. I'm going to, whatever he tells me as truth, I'm going to accept because the way I had been living life wasn't working and I was suffering horribly bad. So one of the truths that I got early on in the program comes out of the uh, 12 and 12 on page 90. Uh, What we're going to use tonight is we're going to use the 12 and 12 page 90. I'm going to use the big book, uh, pages 66, 67, and probably 87 uh, for a quick reference. And then also recovery continues page 12. 
But one of the things that I think has been most helpful for my recovery after sobriety has been the uh, second paragraph. It says, it's a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. Now, my sponsor quite frequently has me put things in first person and present tense. So the way I have always remembered that, that it's a spiritual axiom that every time I'm disturbed, it's always something in me. And if I can remember that, uh, my recovery can really take off. When I first got in this program and I started dealing with uh, lust temptations and I started uh, experiencing uh, thoughts, euphoric recall or thoughts would come to mind, um, I learned early on that those aren't lust drinks. A temptation or a thought that comes to mind is not a lust drink. I haven't, uh, as Bill so eloquently put today, um, the phenomenon of craving doesn't get triggered with that. But if I don't surrender it immediately and I take that drink, it will trigger the phenomenon of craving, which will lead to a spree. But I was so desperate to be free from lust that I, all, that I, the minute I would see something that was an attraction or I would uh, experience a thought come to mind, I would immediately turn to my higher power and pray that prayer. And what happened when I did it immediately, the, um, they would return. It would get further and further and further away as that they would return and they would have less and less and less power. Um, at the moment a temptation comes, whether it's thought or, or visual for me, that's the moment that it's weakest. If I go and say that prayer, the fact that when I uh, surrender that immediately and the farther those temptations get, that's really the obsession being broken. And that's how the obsession does get broken. Um, if I, a thought comes to mind and I do, if I pause for that one second when that uh, euphoric thought or that lust temptation comes in, if I pause, I'm going to drink. I'm going to take that drink. And then those thoughts start coming quicker and quicker with more and more power. And the obsession starts heading the other way. So if I'm to be free of lust, I have to pray. Now, my higher power, 100%, if I go to my higher power, even if I don't want to, if I see something that I want to take the drink, if I will turn and immediately say my prayer, God, I'm powerless. I surrender this to you. I need your power. Please lend me your power just for today. Immediately, his presence, which is my comfort, floods in, and his love, which is my joy. And what happens is my thinking changes to, I really don't want this. Um, and that's what I need is I need my thinking to change. Once I get to a point where I'm getting sobriety, and as time goes on, I got into my fourth step. And to me, the fourth step was one of the most beautiful steps I ever experienced. Um, hang on, I'm going to take one with him. It was the most beautiful step that I ever experienced. Yeah. And what I found from the fourth step is I got, I got prayer work that actually allowed me to be free from resentments. And the beautiful thing about being free from resentment. It says on page 66 of the big book, and this is why resentments and disturbance, I believe, are so um, destructive. Because it says that for when harboring such feelings, which are resentments, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit, which is God. And if I shut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit, I'm going to suffer. This is the way I lived most of my life. If I'm in uh, conscious contact with God, I'm feeling peace and serenity that comes from that. Um, the minute I allow, the minute I detect the disturbance, if I don't use my prayer work that's been given to me in the fourth step, what's going to happen is, is just like it says, when, if I harbor this feeling or if I left that stay like with lust, if I don't immediately go to God, talk to somebody, make an amends, and then uh, be of service, what's going to happen is that I will be shut off from the sunlight of the Spirit. And it tells me in the next sentence what's going to happen there. The insanity of lust returns, and I drink again. And with me, to drink is to die. So 
once I'm sober and I'm living sober, my recovery program is really all about a disturbance. If I'm detecting a disturbance, there's a great risk of me losing my connection with my higher power. What happens when I lose my connection with my higher power? It's like a, a dam breaks and fear floods in like a tidal wave. Um, because I, when I'm not connected, I go back into ego and I go back into self. And when I'm in self, I'm consumed with self-centered fear. And all I can think about is me. And any disturbance I feel at that point, moment is all going to be, in my mind, coming from externals, right? The truth is, is if I listen to my uh, 12 and 12, it says, that, but any, it's a spiritual axiom that every time I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's always something wrong with me. I believe in the big book or the 12 and 12, when it says every, always, never, must believe, I underline those and I put quotations because they're that important. They're absolutes. And if my brain starts to um, search for a, a scenario where it may not be true, that's disease. I'm better off if I just fully accept that every time I'm disturbed, it's always something in me. And what that allows me to do is to start being on watch, to start trying to take a look. And, and I can't do this on my own. This is where I get to ask God. Everything I need, I ask God for, including the ability to love him better and to love others. So I have to ask God to help me keep watch in my heart when all of a sudden I notice a disturbance. And when I notice that disturbance, um, I, an example may be is I'm just driving down the road. And next thing I know, I'm feeling uh, comfort. Um, I'm feeling peace. I'm at serenity. And the guy comes up and just drives on my bumper really close, being very aggressive. At the moment of, of disturbance, if I do not surrender that, I will go into self. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's about what he's doing to me. Because now I'm going to make it about me and I'm going to make it personal because I'm back in ego. I've got no, and I'll either break check him, he'll come around and I'll, you know, stare at him. Or when he tries to get up, I can speed up where he can't get around me. And those are the types of disturbances that once they start, cascade back towards, in my mind, me needing a coping mechanism. And the reason I'm needing a coping mechanism is because I'm disconnected from my higher power. And when I'm disconnected with my higher power and suffering from the pain of fear, I need to medicate. And the well-worn path is lust. So lust truly is also an internal that I use. Um, I think my brain starts searching for ways or or the thought come to mind. I do believe there are temptations that can come to me, but I don't believe they can control me. I think this is me trying to medicate the disconnection from my higher power. Now, it, on the fourth step, it tells us at the very bottom of page 66, um, it says, uh, this was our course. So these are the prayers that I got to use that really helped me a lot. Number one, anytime I ask, I'm asking God to change my understanding, my heart, my thinking. It said, we realized that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Now, there's column one in the four step. Though we did not like their symptoms, column two, and the way these disturbed us, which is column three, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So what my prayer that my sponsor gave me was, God, help me to realize that this person is spiritually sick, just like me. Now, once I pray that, that realization becomes real. It's like, yeah, this is just a sick man. But, God, but it goes on to tell me I need more than that. I can recognize that they're sick people. But now I go on and say, we asked God. So I asked God to help show this man who's tailgating me the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And when I think of a sick friend in a hospital, a lot of the petty stuff don't matter. So now I realize that the guy behind me is spiritually sick um, and that now I'm asking for tolerance, pity, and patience, which I believe God gives me. 
And one of the things, ways we can look at this is if I were to think or if I were to know that the guy behind me is trying to get to the birth of his first child and he's just trying to get to the hospital, that's, then I could really feel like, well, that's really not about me. Or if, if I knew that his family had just been in an accident and you know they were hanging on barely in critical condition and he's trying to get to the hospital, then I could actually, as he come around, I could slow down or even get over and let him get on by. But even though I don't know that, um, just say that the man is truly just not well. He's mad at the world. He is riding my bumper because he's just angry. He's trying to get around in traffic. If I will say those prayers uh, that I realize, that, you know, God help me to realize that this man is spiritually sick and to show him the same tolerance, pity, and patience. When I feel that first disturbance, that's the time for me to pray because I don't want to lose my serenity. Because what happens in the few sentences before, if I don't pray, and this is the truth, this is how I lived my life, we began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. And this guy, at the moment I get disturbed, I'm giving him my power. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, him tailgating me, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. Now, once I realized and I start trying to practice on the small disturbances, um, I start practicing these prayers. And what I have found is when these disturbances happen, I can just start the prayer and I pop right into what I like, what they call the fourth dimension, where I feel nothing but love and compassion for this. I prayed these prayers a thousand times. So I don't have to say the entire prayer, but until I get there, I do, I had to say them over and over. And here's the part I believe that once I realize he's sick and once God has given me tolerance, tolerance, pity and patience, Then I get to, he goes on to say, when a person offended, we said to ourselves, so this guy's tailgating me, I'm saying to myself, God, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? And I try and be, one way I can be helpful to him is by letting him get around, by loving and having compassion, um, by not causing him any more hurt or pain in his life. God saved me from being angry. And when I can do that, when I can practice that, and I don't do this all the time uh, well, but it's something I'm practicing, and I believe that is um, progress, not perfection, then, then I do believe the last sentence comes true, thy will be done. And I believe that God's will, my will, is that in those moments I would stay connected to him, that I would stay and be present. And I believe that my mind and my heart um, are connected. And when I don't make it about uh, me and I don't make it personal, then I truly am realizing that, you know, who is this about? That's really about him. And what I learned early on that is if the people out there that are, the, are that I used to believe causing me the disturbance, like it says in the actor, if they would only act a certain way, I could be okay. But the truth is, if those people are the problem, then there is no solution for me. I am going to suffer, and it's going to cause me to be disconnected from my higher power, which is going to lead me to feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. And when I feel restless, irritable, and discontent, then I'm going to, like it says, they are restless, irritable, and discontent unless they can, uh, again, experience the ease and comfort which comes at taking a few drinks. And that is the the process. So for me not to go back to the well-worn path of wanting to take a drink, wanting to look at something visual or entertain a thought, if I will work my program at the point of disturbance, at the point I feel that I'm being disconnected because of some disturbance, then I get to stay connected. I get to love God's children well. And I believe that it's thy will is being done. Um, one of the things that, uh, that helps on page 87 of the big book is it says that on the very bottom, 
as we go through the day, we pause when agitated. So right there, it's giving us uh, an instruction that when I'm agitated, that I'm to pause. And that pause for me is so important for me to be able to take that moment and pray and connect and to realize it's not them. If I am disturbed, then I'm the one that's... uh, that's suffering. We had a, a guy, Tim H down in Tennessee. I'd call him on his phone. If he didn't answer says, if you haven't gone to God first, hang up. And then I'll talk to you later. And remember, it's not them. It's not them. It's not them. And that was so powerful for me or powerful for me early on. So the last thing that I'll talk about, you know, coworkers and the guy riding my bumper, those are a levels twos and three disturbances at a great place training ground for me to practice my program. Um, Where the level 10 comes from is is with my wife. And this is where um, I really get to practice my program. I am, I shouldn't say that I am recovered in this area, but I'm still very enmeshed. And so when I am in relationship with her, even though I know at times that it's not, you know, that it's, that she is actually the one having the disturbance, um, I can react to that. I can start responding to that. And one of the sections for me in recovery continues that's been very helpful for me because I could see my actions. When I read it, I go, oh, wow, that's me, was it says on page 12 of recovery continues, it's the uh, third paragraph down. And so when my wife um, is very, she's not doing well for whatever reason. I do make that about me and I do make it personal. And the minute I make that personal is the minute I start suffering inside horribly bad. Um, because if she has to be okay for me to be okay, I'm never going to be okay because I'm always relying on externals and it truly is not an externals. You know, we, I used to believe coming in that the lust was everything out there, and that's not true. And as long as I believed that, I couldn't get sober. It wasn't until I understood that the lust comes from inside. Everything starts from inside, and that's why I need my higher power to give me comfort, to give me peace of mind. But on page 12 of Recovery Continue, it says, why is this whole disconnection resentment game destructive? And this is why, and this is, I think, right here, same thing. Because when I sever from person, I'm severing from God. The two always seem to go together. I can't do damage to one without doing damage to the other. Also, this kind of severing is a conscious attitude against another, and thus an inner act of violence. And I believe that. I believe that when I take an action because I'm hurt for because she's not doing well, um, I'm, it's an actually, that's why I'm suffering, but the only one inside of me is me. So that inner violence damages me. That's why I feel bad when I do what is wrong. And early on, I, I would realize when we would go to bed at night and she was not be doing well. And, you know, can I give you a hug? And nope. And I would move away. And I was a master at sleeping on the very edge of the bed, as far away as I could get, balancing myself to try and, uh, in a way I can see now it was to punish her, to make her, you know, and she's already suffering. And I didn't realize that. But I learned that every inch I move away, and as I sever myself from her, I'm really severing from God. And I couldn't see it in the beginning that as I severed from her, the suffering began, the lust thoughts would come in and it was, it was really hellish. And I'd have to get up and read my big book. But now with this program, I'm very much able to realize that, you know, it's not me. Don't make this about me and don't make it personal. I get to pray for her. I get to, you know, stand at the blockade and lovingly be there for when she's ready and able to come up for air that I can be there to lovingly greet her and be with her and connect back with her. Um, So this really uh, deals in all types of relationships where 
Uh, there's been times when she's been really upset. We have a daughter that is really troubled and she wasn't kind in a restaurant. And for the first time, um, I got up because I said, I'm going to take a break. And I got up and as I was walking, I started to say my four-step prayer and I felt nothing but love and compassion. I didn't have to go through the entire prayer. I went back and as we got into the car, I put my hand around her little hand and she just curled it around because she's suffering. And that's what I, I recognize is when she's suffering, why do I want to cause her more pain? Um, but the minute I allow it to disconnect, uh, the minute I allow it to disturb me, I disconnect from God and I start suffering. So for me, once I got sober, uh, the key to recovery for me is to stay connected in conscious contact with my God. And it says in the third step promises that as I felt new power flow in, I truly do enjoy peace of mind. I discovered that I can face life successfully, um, that I become conscious of his presence. And the beautiful part is, and I begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. And I am reborn. Um, that is the beautiful promises. The other day I was driving, and for the first time in my life, um, the fear of dying left. I can't explain it. I just felt like I only have so many days on this earth. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm okay with that. Um, that was while I was driving. So one of the ninth step promises of these third step promises just hit me, and it was just crazy. And that's the way this program is, is if I'm willing to work the program and for me, when I came in, the best way to work the program, if I want to get sober, that what I would pass on is do everything my sponsor asks without question. If he tells me that, Dennis, every time you're disturbed, it's always something in you. I don't have to question that. I just accept it and realize now when I feel any type of disturbance, just like I used to do with lust, now I get to go to my higher power, reconnect and uh, be reconnected to my higher power. So to me, the two sides of uh, disturbances, the external disturbances, which are outside of me, that has nothing to do with me, and the internal disturbance, which has everything to do with me. If I'm unsurrendered, I will be in ego, I will be in self-centered fear, and I will believe that it's everything out there that's causing me my disturbance. But the minute I get surrendered, connected to my higher power, I realize it's not them. It is not them. It is not them. And I, I believe it so much. I wrote it on the inside of my book. Here, It's backwards, but it's not them. And uh, I'm thankful that I know that I don't do it perfectly. Sometimes I suffer and, but it's nice to recognize that, you know, my recovery now has everything to do with staying in conscious contact with God by working the steps. And the best, one of the most powerful ways when I first started making coffee relieved lust like none other, then leading meetings, and then taking chairman position like literature chair, then into secretary. And then I started sponsoring. And when I started sponsoring, that was the gold right there. I Nothing relieves lust like sponsoring another person. Um, and I am nobody's solution and I have no power. So I say the same thing Tim says when they call with their hair on fire. Did you go to God yet? Um, and the beautiful part is when I'm in, back in insanity, which I've had over my four years of, of sobriety, um, called one time and I was planning on leaving the program. I had a sponsor tell me, Dennis, did you go to God yet? I said, man, it didn't even cross my mind. I pulled over and the minute I bowed my head and started praying, boom, the insanity returned. I thought, what the heck was I doing? Um, I still have a disease, but thank God I get to work my program. On good days, I get on uh, hard days, I get to a meeting. And on good days, I get to two. Um, I, um, I, I do believe that being a part of this fellowship, each and every person that I get to uh, come in contact with helps me stay sober. And those newcomers are 
they're the most valuable people because without them, I can't pass on what I've been giving. And I can't keep what I have if I don't give it away. So that's why I was willing to come here tonight and pass on what I believe that God laid in my heart to, to share tonight. So my name is Dennis, and uh, thanks for letting me share tonight. Thanks for sharing, Dennis. That was wonderful. Um, I really related, uh, especially towards the end. You mentioned about the, you, you know, you really learned how to stay at the corner of the bed. Uh, <laughs> and just, I can, I have, I've had where I know for myself where my wife will have, a, let's say she'll have a hard day and I'll feel like we're not connecting or something. And at night I'll get resentful because she's having a hard day. Yes. And then, and you know, and in, in recovery, I'm grateful for this. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, why am I looking at myself? This has nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. Why am I not in this picture at all? How, how are you in this? So I really relate that and I really appreciate that. All right. We got a couple questions here. Okay. So the first one was uh, from Jacob. Uh, Jacob, oh, you mentioned about, uh, about your daughter and you said that you, uh, that you said the four-step prayer. What's your four-step prayer? Uh, mine's more than just a big book. I can, I'll go through it if you'd like to hear it. Um, this is my four-step prayer because one of the things that um, I, I, we just read the first two. God helped me to realize that my daughter is spiritually sick just like me. God helped me to show her the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend in the hospital. The third was, and my sponsor uh, had me read out of page 552, where if we were to pray for that person for everything we want for ourselves, and um, if we were to pray for everything we want for our, themselves for them, then uh, there's another prayer that came from that. My sponsor always told me, Dennis, do you want mercy or justice? I'd say, well, I want mercy. And he'd say, well, you can't have mercy for you and justice for everybody else. It's either mercy for you or mercy for it's or justice for every, it's either mercy for everybody or justice for everybody. And he would say that the reason we pray um, this prayer that whatever we would ask for ourselves, because a prayer for them is a prayer for us. So my prayer, I'll say, God, help me to realize that this person is perhaps spiritually sick, just like me. God, help me to show him the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend in the hospital. God, everything I would want for myself, I ask that you would bless this person with abundant health, prosperity, and happiness. And Lord, bless them with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And wherever they're at right now, I pray for protection and serenity. And may your power and presence enter their heart so thy will be done all the days of their life. And that's my four-step prayer that I pray for them. And when, I've, when I keep saying it over and over and over, it's amazing how it's kind of like if you're doing learning golf or whatever sport, everything is mechanical with different parts, but it soon blends together to where it just becomes one fluid motion with no thought. And so there's times that I can just start that prayer because I used to have to pray through the whole thing. And at the end, I would feel love and compassion for those people. And I had to be able to pray for every person that prayer on my list. And until I could check them off, um, if I felt still a resentment for them, I couldn't check them off. And one guy, honestly, it took three months. And there'd be times I'd be praying and they would just be flooding off the page and, oh, I'll go back to so-and-so. And I'd pray and nope, not yet. And so that's the beautiful part of the four step for me was I got to get rid of all of those resentments. And once we were able to pray that prayer and check off those people, then I got to go to my fourth column because my sponsor said, I can never truly look at myself without having those resentments first. And I believe it ties into 66 where it says when harboring such feelings, I'm disconnected from my higher power. And how is my higher power going to show me my part? if I'm still harboring resentments. And I believe that's why when I go to make an amends, um, it's very important that I don't feel um, a resentment toward that person that as that disturbance starts, you know, I have more, a better luck at 
the disturbance, you know, me going, if I'll pray right away. And I think that's what separates early recovery from people with years and years and years and years of recovery. The difference is that they just go to God quicker. That's so that's my prayer. Thank you. You're welcome. A uh, question from Adina. A uh, question from Adina. You mentioned going to your higher power as a newcomer. How does one get to that place of being able to go to the higher power or something like that? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, I think. I believe you, we do. What's that? Actually. What? I said, I believe she is a newcomer. So I yes. believe she is a newcomer. So you're actually answering her. Yes. Um, Here's the what the best thing. I just had a guy ask this the other day that has no faith tradition and no belief in a higher power. I asked him, I said, you can't find my higher power, right? I, you're not going to be able to find mine. You, and until you can find yours, you if if you'll just have the willingness to believe that there is a power greater than yourself, because we all have the same disease, and I, I, if there's people that are getting well that could not get well, there must be a power greater than themselves. So what I suggested to this gentleman was go home and pray to your higher power. I know that, you're, that you have a higher power that loves you unconditionally. The, the second step um, uh, in, the, in the step into action Uh, inventory is so beautiful. I can't tell you how many guys I've taken through that, the tears hit their big books when we go through that. Because a lot of times our higher powers growing up, you know, we could write our mom and our dad, well, what did they do? Well, I was loved if I performed well or blah, blah, blah. What did that teach me about a higher power? Well, it taught me that, you know, I was only loved if I did well. You know, that I was punished and and not loved if I didn't. What do you choose to believe today? And for that last column, if they write any conditional statements like, well, God loves me if blah, 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 or God won't punish me. If any conditional statements I cross out because I want them to realize that your higher power loves you unconditionally. Your higher power loved you when you were in the middle of when I was in the middle of my most decrepit acts, my higher power loved me then. And no matter how good I do or how much I uh, share this uh, fellowship with or this program, he doesn't love me anymore when I'm sharing. He loves me the same. So a good practice would be just start seeking him. You know, Bill W. said, uh, I needed and wanted God and he came. And I believe that um, when my prayers, my first one, I felt felt like that wind hit me. When my prayers at about day 30 got wrote, where it's just, I offer myself to thee, you know. And I just, and they became, like I was thinking of other stuff as I was praying, they stopped working. And when they stopped working, I started getting hit. And I, man, I started crying out from my heart. God, you know. I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me. And when I cry from my heart, my higher power cannot resist that. Because the truth is, is I believe that our higher power's greatest desire is to be with us. How excited they are when I take moments of my day and go hang out with them. Um, And I don't, you know, don't want to say him or her or whatever. It's just your higher power, if you start praying, even if you don't believe anything, you're going to be blown away by um, the results. And I'll, I'll say sometimes, you know, well, God, you know, it's like, uh, well, God laid it in my heart or he said to me that, you know, I'm not going to relieve your lust because now you know about resentments. Before you knew I would take it. Now I need you to do your resentment prayers. It's like an understanding. It's like an intuitive thought that God just comes in and I, I, I just, uh, you know, know. So you seek your higher power, and I promise you, if you work this program, you will find your higher power. The purposes of working the steps, see, this, the third step says, 
made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Now, here's the deal. I don't think, I, I did make some grand gesture. We were looking at Mount McKinley, knelt down. I don't think it's possible really for me to turn my will and my life over to the care of God until I work steps four through nine and then maintain all of that power that them steps bring 10 through 12 and including giving away what I've been giving. Working those steps deflates my ego enough for me to have real connection. It was like a conduit that was full of rocks before the four step and it's dripping out, drip, drip, drip. But man, when I went through four through nine, it's like the rocks were blown out and my higher power, the spiritual awakening happens. And that's why they say, don't leave before the miracle happens. The miracle will happen in this program a hundred percent if you will work these steps and truly uh, like your life depends upon it because it really does. So that's, I would just say, just start praying, you know, and act as if. And the next thing would be look for, um, you know, if, if I, if you pray and ask for uh, relief from a temptation in the middle of wanting it and the relief comes there's a, there is proof right there. And uh, the more you see that, the more you'll um, see how it, it'll come to fruition. So but that'll pass. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have a question again from Jacob. Uh, he knows that when he falls into self-pity or resentment, it sucks me up so much that I have a hard time even just going to God. What Amen. can I do to not fall too hard into that feeling and stay sober enough that he can actually talk to <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Amen. Jacob, I am right there with you. Um, there is times and recently where I went into self-pity and I was ready to blow everything up. And I... You know, it says in the 10th step, it says at once, right? We continue to watch, but when these pop up at once and if I won't go to God, which there are times I won't, and I won't call somebody, um, I'm in real trouble. And on my big book, there are times that I have, you know, been on my way out the door of this program and I had an old timer tell me that, um, you know, I made the call just what three or four months ago. I, it was, I mean, it was in summer. I made a call and one of the guys from DC called me and he asked me, cause I was, man, I was ready to go back out. And it wasn't the lust that I wanted. I was just going to go drink and just go back out. Cause I was just so emotionally, just what you're talking about. And he said, Dennis, did you pick up any trash yet? I said, Oh my God, no. So I ran over to the, dumpster trash and I grabbed a bag and as he talked to me I went and picked up trash and that is an old timer told me that I used to carry I don't anymore but I used to carry trash bags in my car and when I got to the point where I was so bad off I'd go out and start picking up trash and it's amazing how I'm getting out of myself enough to make a call um that's why I think it's important Jacob that the minute or the second a temptation comes, a thought comes to mind, or a disturbance hits my heart. I have to, even if I don't want to, call out to my higher power, make a call to somebody, um, because that's why we're here in this fellowship is to save each other. An old timer told me, "I want you to go out and you know when you almost lose everything in the program and you make it through, go find a penny on the ground." And I can't use a penny I have. I have to go. Oh, there's one, and I drill them out so you can see. My thing is full of pennies. Uh, you can see there. So um, I, in about four years, I think I've had six where insanity hit me so hard. Um, and that's why I believe it's so important to work the program. Because when times get good, and honestly, there's been times where I felt like I've, I've gone a month without no lust. Or I've gone a week where it just feels like I'm completely free. Um I have learned during those times to work my program super hard. Um, I got up early 
me and my wife were just rocking a recovery together and just, I got up early and she goes, well, where are you going? You don't have a meeting this morning. I said, I'm going to the park to read because man, my, everything is going so well that, you know, if, if things are going bad, I read for an hour. If things are going good, I want to read for two because I, I don't want to try and extend what I have, but I just know that I have to work my program. There's just, I have to, um, I, I shouldn't say I have to, that's a bad word. I get to work my program and thank God there's something that actually works. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Uh, we have a question from Avi. Uh, in your experience, if your wife is hurting, upset, you prayed for her and reached out to her um, with love and she rejected it. What's your next step? Um, hopefully my next step, which comes right out of page 67 is to be of service of something. And she may not want me to be of service, but I can, um, because at this time I'm trying to keep my connection. Um, what I actually do (laughs) sometimes, um, you know, three out of five times I may, uh, you know, be of service, be of loving compassion, or I may, start to go off the rails and um, have a pity party. Um, But what I have found is if I will stay connected to God and work my program and stay in my own lane and don't take her inventory and, you know, let her have her feelings. I mean, I I put the poor woman through 30 years of pain. Um, There are things that are going to trigger her. And I love on page 126 or 127, it says, The head of household ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home. He can scarcely square the account in his lifetime. I'm not going to be able, I can scarcely, and I believe when I'm in disease, as I lived around my family, I'm splashing disease out on them that's making them very, very sick. Although I can't see it. And I think the only thing I can do to make up for that is to just stay sober one more day for myself first so that I can be connected to my higher power. And then when my higher power is in me, his love then starts splashing out on them. And hopefully uh, through God's power, they are are healing as well, which my wife is. Um, If I can stay connected, like, you know, uh, you know, go to God immediately, do my four step work she comes out of that a lot quicker than uh, my sponsor said this, you know, Dennis, you and your wife have been doing the dance for years. She's upset. You get upset. You guys do the dance, you make up and you just got to quit dancing. You know, you just don't dance when she gets storming around. And, you know, the expectation is, you know, she's going to be happy if I'm not happy too. But if I can stay connected to God and just pray for her, um, and that's part of my codependency. So I'm not really well at that yet. I'm still just a infant. I'm actually doing Al-Anon to working my steps through Al-Anon to try and get my codependency, um, get better. So, uh, but if I can remember that she is a sick person, if I, if I can tell myself it's not, you know, this is, who's this really about? This is about her. And when she rejects me, it does hurt. And I can feel my feelings and, Talk, tell my sponsor that's if I can feel my feelings, uh, you know, talk about that, tell the truth about that and trust God in the process. Then the best thing I can do is call my sponsor or call somebody in the program and talked about what's going on with my wife, which gives me a lot of relief. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to be heading to sleep now because I have to get like three hours of sleep before my, talk, oh my gosh. three hours. Okay. Uh, Daniel's taking over. So, I'm here, uh, it's been a and I'm going to ask the next question. Uh, I'm very, thank you, very, I'm very grateful that I got my two hours of sleep. Man, you guys, are, thank you for you guys' service. What a blessing to everybody that's been attending this. I just thank you, and all the work you put into it to get here. It's been great. So we have a question from Cindy. Um, yeah. Where are the third step promises? And, oh, perfect. And a note, this will probably be a dumb moment for me, but she had to ask. Yes, that's beautiful. I love the third step promises. They're in page 62. Let me look here and pull them up. 
And what I love about the third step promises at the bottom of page 62, my sponsor has, we had to, and I still can do it. We had to memorize this whole section paragraph in first person and present tense. Um, the beautiful part about the third step promises is, you know, page, the bottom of 60 and 61 talks about the actor that is trying to run the show. The first time I read that, I thought, well, that's silly. Why, why would they have this in here until I got in recovery enough to see that that's me? Um, I started seeing my actions as the actor. And so the third step promises, they're not going to, t- you know, the, the big book is great about when it gives you some dire um, example, they always tell you the way out. So the bottom of page 62, after it goes into, you know, I love the top part where it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of all of our troubles. I won't read all that, but it gets down to, you know, um, it says, neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. So now they're going to give us how to do that. And that's exactly what they say on the next, the last paragraph says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, I had to quit playing God. It doesn't work. And it doesn't. Next, I decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God is going to be my director. He is the principal. I am his agent. He is the father and I am his child. In other words, I am fired. He's in charge. It says most good ideas are simple in this concept, which is, that I'm going to let God run my life from now on. And the only way that's going to be possible is to not just work the steps, but practice the steps daily. This concept of letting him be in charge is a keystone of a new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. And it goes on and I won't read it, but my favorite part is once I start allowing God to be in, to run my life, to turn my will and my life over him through working the steps the full weight of them comes down, deflates my ego. Then in the last part, it says, this is the result is we, I felt new. I will feel new power flowing in. I enjoyed peace of mind. I will enjoy peace of mind. I discovered that I can face life successfully. I become conscious of his presence. And from that, I will begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. So those are the third step promises as I, and I love those. And that's part of my third step that my sponsor makes us. And then I make, I uh, suggest that our sponsees do is, is uh, do the third step promises. Oh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Dennis. Um, so the, the next uh, was, it was a point from Avi. You said that the second step, the second step chart in step into action book um, that you mentioned, uh, it was the starting point for me to find my new found higher power in recovery. So yeah, he added that. So we have we have a question from someone else. They say, I have some serious problem with my parents. I think I cannot forgive them for their behaviors. They have psychological disorders. I'm living with them for a short time, and I try so much to not become angry or sad. But what should I do when they continuously hurt me every way? Mm. You know, I would suggest that you listen to Bill Stewart's, or Bill S., his thing this morning because he said it perfectly and I wish I could say it like he did um but we don't forgive others you know I forgive others so that I can be free it doesn't mean I have to allow people to continue to hurt me um you know I may have to take actions that and and that's where Al-Anon's been healthy for me is right because I don't set boundaries to control others I set boundaries to take care of myself and detachment can also be a a great tool where I don't detach with a battle ax. I detach with love. I don't have to hate the person, but I can hate the disease. I can love the person and hate the disease. And I'm not sure whoever asked us how old you are, but one of the healthiest things that I believe was for me with my parents, uh, with my children was that they would move out onto their own. Um, we have a way better relationship once we got separated. Um, that's, there's just a certain point I think for uh, myself that I did have to leave so that I could kind of grow up and be in better relationship with them. Um, I don't know what type of pain, but you know, 
parents are parents and sometimes they can't change. I, I just drove my mom 2,100 miles and she told me every move to make. <laughs> so that's all I got. <laughs> I relate to that. Uh, I relate to that a lot. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. We, um, we have a question from Moishi up in Brooklyn. He says, I'm currently at before step three. I'm so afraid of the thought of having to let go of the resentment of the person, mm. my biological father, who molested me for about 10 years. As I'm experiencing mm-hmm. sobriety and realizing the unmanageability and mess that I was thrown into at around the age of five, I feel like I didn't have time to get over it and no closure now that that person is dead. It just scares me to think that I should pray for him. That sound weird? That's, that's no, no, that's beautiful what you're just saying right there. Let, let me tell you something. Number one, just like lust, you're completely powerless over that. That's not something that you can do on your own. That's something that the, that's the beauty of this program is that you get to trust. And I would suggest that everything that I want or that I don't know how to do, I ask God for, you know, that's a great thing to go to God and and in prayer and say, God, I don't know how I'm ever going to just talk to God and be truthful and honest about that. And the program will, you know, when I was going through, getting ready to go through my fifth step, it was, I mean, I was in Dark's place and my sponsor said, Dennis, when we get there, you'll be ready. And I would say the same thing. When you get there, the way this program works, it won't be you. It won't be on your power. Um, it's almost like you'll be comforted and it'll just come out. If you trust and just let this program work. Um, you know, we always say, how much effort does it take for a child to be held by his father? He just has to look up and go, up, daddy. Well, that's the same thing with the higher power. We, we don't fight this disease. We just surrender and rest in his arms. And as far as that goes, um, when that time comes, It'll be a great moment of healing for you. And I, man, I was, I'm praying for you right now that that's going to be a beautiful time to win. And I can't explain how, why, or when, but it, it's, that's what this program is for, is for, for healing. And it may take the help of a counselor as well. That might be where God directs you for somebody to kind of help with childhood trauma. Um, I, I would highly suggest for me, a counselor has been very, very helpful. That's all I get. Yeah, absolutely. It's very difficult, isn't it? Uh, this always the hardest question. And uh, I think I always remember that, um, um, that it, it, it's, it's us that's holding on to it still. And that's that because, mm-hmm. you know, it, we didn't do anything wrong. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong in our childhood, but, but, but we can't let go of it. And that's where, that's where we have to focus, isn't it, on letting go of it ourselves. Um, and I guess, you know, praying for them is probably the best way to do it, according to the literature. But yeah, really difficult, really painful. Thanks for that question, Moish. Um, we had a a comment from Indira. I related to the part mentioned that it's more difficult with family than others. When something difficult happens, like wanting to argue to take a break and pray, does it ever stop hurting? Uh, I think, I think. This is counselors. I'm not a counselor, but I think relationship, um, there's pain in relationship. You know, in order to love well, we sometimes have to hurt well. And I think that since I'm not perfect, um, 100%, I'm going to hurt my wife and she's going to hurt me. But as we work our programs, she works hers and I work mine. It's amazing the intimacy that we're able to share now um, and enjoy. But it's also, we both can have moments where we get sick. Um, But yeah, I think life is about pain. And that's the beauty of a higher power. A higher power isn't going to keep me from having pain. But my higher power is going to walk through it with me and give me a comfort and peace um, during the pain. And when I first got in, man, when I was on top of the hill, I would be like, yes, I love this God thing. And then when I'd be down in the valley, I felt alone. And I very much remember one time in one of those valleys, I could hear the whisper, I'm right here with you. And from that moment on, 
while there's still valleys, he's right there with me. And they just weren't as deep anymore. But I have experienced and do believe that those valleys and those pains um, have brought me to a deeper and closer relationship with my higher power and a greater dependence. And uh, so uh, while I don't want to ask for them, there's been great value in, in the hard times as well. 